This morning's scripture reading comes from Psalm chapter 63, verses 1 and 2. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Praise God. Thank you. My soul thirsts for you. You can turn to Psalm 63. We're going to go through and finish uh, and finish reading it. Turn to Psalm 63. And um, while you're, you're flipping there, how many commercials do we see on TV these days that are advertising drinks? You know, all sorts of drinks, both soft drinks as well as well as hard drinks. And there's even one commercial that. Stay goes off saying, "Stay thirsty, my friend." You know, "Stay thirsty, stay thirsty, my friend." And we see all sorts of, of um, you know, commercials on that. We we go to meetings and gatherings these days, and you notice that more and more people carry water bottles. You know, I carry a water bottle to meetings and everything, and and you sit it up on the table, and you actually stop and think, how many times do you actually drink from that water bottle? I mean, I look around the table, not everybody is sipping it, you know, but people bring those water bottles in case they get thirsty, you know. So we see. A lot that's being being put in the way of uh, uh, commercially in the way of drinking and drinking. We all know that on a hot summer's day you get thirsty. You can try drinking lemonade and soda, and I don't know about you, but it makes me thirsty. The only thing that quenches my thirst is a nice cold glass of cold glass of water. So when it comes down to our physical bodies, we understand the role that thirst plays. We need to keep ourselves hydrated and so on. But then, like I've always said, everything in the physical realm has its counterpart in the spiritual realm. So the same way we need physical water and liquids water especially to quench our physical thirst, what about our spiritual thirst? Okay, what do we need to do to quench our spiritual thirst? Um, people try to, to fulfill that spiritual thirst in many, many ways. They try it through having, you know, fancy cars or um, big houses on every continent. They try it by having, you know, two and three women, two and three men, you know, simultaneously in some cases even. They try it through drugs. They try it through alcohol. Many people find many ways to quench that spiritual thirst, but the only thing that can quench our spiritual thirst is God. So I'm, I'm glad that you're at Psalm 63 so let's just continue to see what the word of God says about says about being thirsty and also looking at how we can quench our thirst so Psalm 63 starting with verse 1 again O God thou art my God early will I seek thee and please align the will there early will I seek thee my soul thirsteth for thee please align my soul thirsteth for thee my flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Okay, so that's, that's saying there, my flesh is longing for God in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Um, to see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So just in those couple of verses there, we're seeing someone here that is saying, in this case the psalmist David, is saying that his soul thirsts after God and longs after him in a, in a dry and thirsty land. Now, we know that at this particular point in time, David was not necessarily necessarily in a physical place that was dry and thirsty. But we all know that when something is wanting in your life, when there's something going wrong in your life, or when there's something something that's missing, you do indeed feel like you're dry. You feel like you're thirsty. You feel like you don't you don't have all that you should have. Where no water is, and to see thy power in thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. 
Now that's interesting if you underline as I have seen thee in the sanctuary because David is saying the same way I see your power in the sanctuary I want to see it in places where there, where there is a perceived dryness where there is no water you see so we see God in action many times when we go to church we see God in action in, this, action in the sanctuary and those of us who are blessed enough to be in full gospel ministries where you really see God in action through the laying on of hands you see sicknesses healed you see all sorts of uh, financial gains I mean you just see miracles happen happening everything you see the movement of the Holy Spirit so you see God in action while you're in church and what this is basically saying that I thirst for you even outside of the sanctuary okay so it's nice for us to be filled and to feel God in our presence when we're in the sanctuary in church but what, what about outside of that okay so we have to thirst after God not only when we're in church but thirsting after God when we are outside of church this is what he's saying here okay and then he says he says that that um, early will I seek thee so there's that will that I had you underline indicates an active choice of yours okay this is saying that David is saying here early in the morning will I seek thee so therefore there's something to do with you thirsting after God and your will Okay, something to do with you thirsting after God and your will. Goes on to say in verse number three, because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Please align. My lips shall praise thee. This is another important thing that we Christians so overlook, and that is about praising God, especially when we are in need of something. You know, one of the best ways to get something done in your life or to to get God going in your life not that he isn't but we many times just don't realize it but to, to, to eliminate that feeling of your being lost or even being thirsty is simply to start praising God you know you may not even know how to articulate your prayer to God and if you don't pray in tongues yet you may not even know how to articulate your prayer to God but it's uh, but it's uh, but it's, uh, uh, it's you can simply do it by praising God by praising God and if you you have to do it simply by praising God and if you start by praising God then you will find that first of first of all evil cannot be here evil cannot be where there is praise that's going on evil cannot coexist with where there is praising so in Psalm 63 here we see the psalmist that is saying first of all by an act of his will he will get up and he will praise God and, uh, and it says there in verse number 3 again because thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee verse number 4 says thus will I bless thee while I live please underline will again thus will I bless thee while I live I will lift up my, uh, my hands uh, in thy name underline the words I will lift up my hands in thy name so again here we see some active choices. It says, will, I will bless thee while I live, and I will lift up my hands in thy name. This is a whole separate, separate um, sermon, and I won't go there, but go there today. But Scripture talks repeatedly. In the Bible, there's some 15 instances where it talks about the use of hands. And lifting of hands when you're praising God is mentioned so many times. This is an old biblical way of, uh, of, of just uh, lifting your hands to God in praise is, is surrendering. It's showing, it is saying to God, I surrender to you. And that's the, the universal sign of surrender, we all know, raising of hands. But so many times, it's our attitude towards God. And while we may be praying to him, 
um, really surrendering to God is so critical in having God to be really, really active in your life. So what he's saying is that while, um, uh, thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. There it is again. Please in the line, my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate thee in the night watches. Meditate on thee in the night watches. So here again now, when you're going to bed in the evenings here, by an active choice of yours, that you will praise God with your mouth, with joyful lips. Even when you're going through through um, troubling times, you know, we should have joy in our hearts because we know that God is even going to deliver us, you know. One of the things that it is indeed challenging for us to do is that while we're in a troubling time is to project ourselves forward, knowing that where God is going to take us, where we're going to end up is going to be better off than where we are now. But in praising God, in praising God, that will help you to remember that where I'm at right now is just a transition. It's just a part-time condition or state that I'm in. And by your praising God, you're praising God and you're saying to him, well, gee whiz, God, I know that you're going to bring me through this because you're a good God. You're Alpha and the Omega. You're, if everything, nothing is impossible to you. So we're praising God during this process. Now, this is thirsting after God thirsting after God. It is not enough for us to simply seek God in the sanctuary. It's not enough for us to seek God just when we're in church, you see. So what the psalmist David is saying here is that I'm going to seek you at all times. I'm going to praise you. I'm thirsting after you. You all know what it's like if you're really, really thirsty. You know what your physical body is feeling like, your mouth, what it feels like when you're really thirsty. We have to get to that same place with God where nothing else satisfies me. I mean, you know, not only, you know, I, I kind of want to say, especially when you're in a, in, a, in a troubling time, but I have to add to that, though, we don't just thirst after God when we're in a difficult place. All right, we need to be thirsting after God at all times. Um, verse number 8 says, My soul follows close behind thee, thy right hand upholds me. God's right hand will uphold you. But those who seek my soul to destroy it shall go down into the lower parts of the earth. This is basically saying that you know that if someone is persecuting you, someone is giving you a hard way to go, God will deal with them. You know, you know the battle is not ours. The word of God says in so many places we, we can let God fight our battles for us. Those that persecute us will not prevail. No weapon formed against me shall prosper is the scripture that comes to mind. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. So basically we see here in this psalm, it's about thirsting for God. Thirsting for God. We cannot be... We cannot be victorious Christians if we're thinking about God as just as a temporary thing. This is something that I do on Sundays, maybe occasionally during the week. Maybe I'll open the Bible during the week. Or if I get into trouble and there's all sorts of chaos going on in my life, that's, this is when I'm thirsting after God. We need to thirst after God all the time. If you think about something that you really, really wanted, you know, and... You know, this easily, I can easily get my mindset into this. I mean, when I first started really studying these scriptures many, many years ago, is I know how I thirst after a gadget, so to speak. And I put that in quotes. You know, you put a new gadget that's out there on the market, you know, a new iPad or a new TV or some other electronic gadget, you know, and I kind of thirst after that. You know, everything, in my, my thoughts are consumed. I'm doing research on the Internet to find the best deal. I'm looking at the specifications and everything, and I'm kind of thinking, about this quite a bit, I realize that. Well, that's where we need to get relative to God. 
All right? You need to want God and to desire the things of God so much that you're actually thirsting after him. Now, let's go to the book of John, and we're going to look at here about quenching your thirst. Go to the book of John, chapter 4. Okay? Okay, if we accept the premise that, okay, great, I need to thirst after God, but, 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 but how, do I, how, do I, how do I quench that thirst? How do I actually um, uh, drink of God, so to speak, all right, after I'm thirsting after him? I can desire God in my life, but then how do I actually fulfill that thirst? John chapter 4, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself never baptized, baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into, into Galilee. Just as a sidebar observation, there, it's interesting that Jesus never baptized anyone. Okay? His disciples did, but he did not. He was baptized by John the Baptist, as you know, dunked in water. And again, baptizing from the Greek is baptismo, baptismo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O, which uh, M-O, which means to submerse in water, okay? Um, Jesus himself did not do that, okay? And it's very, very simple because it says that um, I come to baptize with fire, okay? John the Baptist baptized with water. But Jesus himself said in here, I come to baptize with fire. Okay, and the baptizing with fire, of course, is referring to Holy Spirit. Okay, so just as a sidebar, Jesus did not do any baptizing himself. Um, okay, verse number three. He left Judea and, and departed again into Galilee. He must needs to go through Samaria. In other words, he had to go through Samaria. There was a reason why he had to go through Samaria. See how Holy Spirit guided Jesus the same way Holy Spirit guides us. Verse number five. Then comes he to a city of Samaria, which is called, called Sychar, near to the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. You see, now just to, just to underline this for yourself for future reference, underline Jesus therefore being wearied, okay? And just, just underline it as a reference for yourself for later on because while Jesus, this is another one of those scriptures that points out to us that while Jesus was in human flesh, in mortal flesh, he experienced the same physical things that we did. Jesus got tired. Jesus had to rest. Jesus had to sleep. Jesus had to eat. Okay? So this is, again, it's just an interesting note to think that sometimes we miss the fact, uh, miss the point that even though Jesus was God, he was still tempted and still experienced the same things that we human, human beings do while we're in these physical bodies. Okay? So it says he was wearied with his journey, sat by the well, and it was about the, uh, the sixth hour. There cometh a, cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Uh, the sixth hour, by the way, is about 6 p.m., so you can get a feeling for what time of day it was. Uh, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, 
who am a woman of Samaria. Please underline that. How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Okay? Now, there was a rift that was going on between the Jews and Samaritans where they, were, they would not speak to each other. They didn't think that they were worthy, that the, the other side wasn't worthy. Um, this is where that old expression, the Good Samaritan, comes in. And you know the story of the Good Samaritan where um, the man was lying on the side of the road, had been beaten up and so forth. And the uh, and the Jews and everyone was crossing on the other side of the street not to tend to him or whatnot because the Samaritans didn't deal with the Jews wouldn't want to touch him and so forth and but this Samaritan came over to that side of the street they administered and tended to the person that was hurt so that's where the, the uh, that term comes from the Good Samaritan so this woman is saying here the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans so he's one she's wondering why Jesus being a Jew was even talking to her especially asking her for a drink of water Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have thou wouldst have asked him, asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Please in the line, he would have given thee living water. He would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From where then hast thou that living water? See, she doesn't get, we understand where he's coming from. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drink and drank from it himself, and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Please on the line, whosoever drinks of this water, meaning from the well, shall thirst again. But, on the line, but, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Will be a, be a well of water springing up into him, uh, springing up unto eternal life. So what he's saying there is that the water that is coming from that well, you're going to be thirsty again. I mean, and we all know that. You drink a glass of water and so many hours go by or whatever and you get thirsty again. But he's saying here that the water that he's going to give, though, will be a well springing up of everlasting, everlasting life. So that means then how do we quench our thirst? Well, that, that thirst that we can quench spiritually can only come from Jesus. So when we are saying that you want to thirst after God, then you're saying you want to thirst after the things of Jesus. The water that he's talking about here is referring to Holy Spirit. Okay? He's referring to Holy Spirit. What Jesus is saying here, now we all know that Jesus did not give the, give the, the Holy Spirit until he left, but he's saying the water that I can give uh, is going to be everlasting life. Okay? Through knowledge and everything else. Now, if you also put a bookmark here, and let's go to John... 7 I think it's 38 John 7 Yeah John John 7 verse 37 John 7 verse 37 In the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried out saying If any man thirst let him come unto me and drink Please in the line. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Okay? So please underline it or highlight it. 
the, the, you know, those two scriptures there, all right? So if any man thirst, let him come and, and unto me and drink. He that believes on me, now that's the key also on the line, he that believes. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water, all right? So the key is, first of all, we've got to believe on Jesus. And he's also saying that if you're thirsty, to come unto me and drink, all right? So living in the world that we are in today with so much going on and so many trials and tribulations that go on in our lives, you know, the same way, you know, I've, I've gone on trips and visits and things like that. And some people just upon leaving say, oh, I forgot my water bottle. Let me go back and get my water bottle, you know. And they run back in and get the water bottle, you know. And I've done the same thing myself, just for regular water. Well, this is, is, is with Jesus. Thirsting after Jesus, all right, you know. So if you want, your, you want your, quench, your thirst to be quenched, especially if you're going through changes, then you need to make sure that you're taking Jesus with you, that you're thirsting after the things of God, you know. It is not enough for us to just... Occasionally, you know, write out some platitude or to put up some Christian quote, quote or to speak forth some, some quote or something like that, you know, from the Bible. We need to be constantly searching after, desiring to know about God. You know, we need to. You need to be in a place where you're, you're sitting at home, and I'm not. I'm not saying your every single thought has to be consumed by by by, by the Bible. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be realistic. We have other things that we have to do, but you should have in your gut, in your belly, this desire to just know more about God, to understand more about God. This desire where you want to know more about Jesus. You know, where you're thirsting after knowledge, where you're thirsting after truth. You see, because the truth that Jesus can reveal to you is everlasting. It is truth with a capital T, you see. So we can't be contented to just, um, you know, sit around and say, okay, well, I'll deal with it on Sunday, and that will be sufficient. So going back now to John 4, okay, going back to John 4, all right, and just to read 13, or part of 13 and 14 again, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go and call thy husband and come here. This way gets interesting. Jesus said, Go and call thy husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. That saith thou truly. All right, so she said, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you sure don't. You've had five of them, and the man that you're shacking up with right now is not your husband. Okay? <laughs> I love God, I'm telling you. The woman saith unto him, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, basically what the scripture is showing here also is that God exposes sin. All right, God exposes sin. All right, so if we're thirsting after God and we're really looking to to uh, believe on Jesus and to live a life as best as we can in thirsting after God, you got to make sure you're dealing with sin in your life because God exposes it. You know, you know, you know. God, God knows everything that's going on in your life, and you, you can't fool Him. You know, you can fool people, you can fool your pastor, you can fool somebody on the block, or your mother, your father, or whomever. But God knows what's going on in, in your life. You know, so God will expose the sin. So the woman said, in "19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship." Jesus said, said unto her, "Woman, believe me." The hour comes when you shall neither in, neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. 
you know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews so what he's saying there is woman the time will come when you will neither worship here in this mountain or even in Jerusalem where you worship the father Jesus in the line where you will worship the father and then in 22 there's the reason why you worship you don't know what you worship okay you worship ye worship ye not what um, I'm sorry you worship you know not what so in other words he's saying no, you don't even know what you're worshiping you're not worshiping the father alright and so many times we think that we're worshiping God um, in the right way or worshiping God properly and there are a lot of people out there who are not really worshiping God in spirit and in truth you see and so he's saying there you know you, you don't even know who you're worshiping um, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews so before we, or as we are calling ourselves Christians, are we sure that we know who we're worshiping and what we're worshiping? In other words, the question is, how much do you understand God? Okay, do you really understand God? Are you really worshiping God the way that the Bible says that we should be worshiping Him? Because so many times we deceive ourselves, you know. And, and, and I see that in many cases. I see that in many cases and sometimes in just talking to people. You, you, you know, I mean, yes, they're, they're Christians and, 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 and I'm saying they believe in Jesus and whatnot. But, but, but are, are they lined up with the truth? Do they understand what the Word is really saying to them? Do they understand what God is saying to them? You know, uh, I, I think that if we more clearly understood who we worship and why we worship, we wouldn't be trying to live our lives without feet in both worlds. You cannot live your life with your feet, one foot in the secular world and your other foot, other foot in, in God's realm. We have to make a decision. How are we worshiping? You know, you worship, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers Oh, there it is. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Please in the line that. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. That's powerful. Underline that. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. They that worship him such um, must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, now we see here, um, let me see, put a bookmark here, and let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Okay, Matthew 18, and I want to go, Father the Spirit, go to verse number, verse number 18. Verily I say unto you, whosoever you shall, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they, shall, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in, in the midst of them. You see? Now, this is a spiritual truth. This is just talking about binding and loosing, and where two or more are gathered together in Jesus' name, that Jesus is in his midst. And these are some basic principles that we need to understand in terms of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. There are so many truthful th truths in the Bible that we as Christians many times don't understand, and so therefore it makes it difficult for us to worship God in that spirit and in that 
that truth. So when it says there, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is looking for people that will worship him based on his word based on what the Bible says, not based on what others are saying, not based on opinions, not based on um, combinations of things that two or three people have said, but based on what exactly the Word of God said. God seeks to such people to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It, it, it's hard for me to really, to really, to really explain and, and articulate worshiping in the spirit. Um, we know that speaking in tongues is one way of doing that but even for those that have not yet learned to speak in tongues worshiping God in spirit is worshiping God with your spirit that means that when you're doing praise and worship when you're at home praising God that you're locked into God your mind's not drifting off someplace else. You're not off doing something else. You're locked into really worshiping God. All right. If you if you are trying to accomplish something in the in the secular world and you're really focused on it, whatever that thing that you may enjoy doing, you you we all know that there are some things that we do that requires your undivided attention, and you know how you get whenever you're working on that thing that you, requires your undivided attention. It's called concentration. You know how concentrated you can get when there's something else in the, in, in the regular world that you really enjoy doing or something that you have to do that requires your undivided attention. You know how you can lock in on that and focus on getting it done. All right? Unfortunately, many times we as Christians, all right, when we are worshiping God or even praying to God, our minds are not locked in. God does not have your undivided attention. All right? The time when God may have your undivided attention, when you're crying out to him in the spirit is when you cry that gut felt cry of Lord help me because there's something going on that you finally came to the conclusion is beyond my control you know and many of us have been there and you cry out to God oh Lord help me right then God has your undivided attention you see but that has to be a part of our daily lives. There has to be a part of your life during the day when you are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Of course, that should be in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings, especially doing praise and worship service as best as possible. Now, we all know that there are distractions. I mean, for all things being equal, you do get distracted. But what I'm saying, though, for the most part, is when you're on your own in your home and you're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, this is the time where, you know, we call it in, in, the, in the regular world, we call it every day, well, um, we call it quality time. We call it quality time. Quality time with your children is when you are, you, your, your undivided attention is on your child. You're reading to them. You're going over the alphabet with them. You know, you know you, you're teaching them the math or whatever. And just as a side note there, gosh, gosh, the Lord knows the way things are going on now in the country and all these other school agendas that are coming in now, we need to spend a lot of time on our children, especially when they're in those formative years. We need to be going over the alphabet with them, helping them to read, helping them to understand things, because once they get away, away from us during during the day and they're in school, you're not 100% sure of what's going on there. I mean, we try to get our children into the best schools and obviously some are better, but nothing replaces the quality time that a parent can spend with a child in growing them up. You'll be surprised how much it impacts them later on. Well, not spending quality time with God impacts you here and now. It can manifest even worse later on in your life, but how do you worship God in spirit and truth? Worshiping God in spirit is your spirit connecting with God. 
this is where God's got your undivided attention and you're talking to him, you're sharing time with him, you're sharing your deeper most thoughts and feelings, you're sharing your, your, your fears, you, you, you know, where you're talking to God even in just everyday language, you're speaking to him, and, Lord, just please help me, you know, and, and worshiping him in your spirit is you telling God from deep within how much you love him. How much you praise him. How much you realize that without him you're nothing. How much you realize that he is the all-powerful one in this universe, creator of all things, and that you surrender your life to him. All right? That's the most important thing. You know, we all have said, we all have announced the... Um, We've all done the sinner's prayer and given ourselves to the Lord and confessed Jesus Lord and Savior. But have you really confessed? Have you really surrendered to God? Have you really surrendered your spirit to him to worship him deep from within? You see, and what the scripture is saying, what Jesus is saying, because if you have a red letter Bible, it's written in red. It says that, 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 that these are the people, they that worship him in spirit and truth is who God is seeking for. Verse 25, and the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah comes who is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. What a revelation. All right, she's looking for a Messiah, and he's telling her, the one that's talking to you is he. And upon this, and, and, and upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples besought him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have food to eat that you know not of. I have food to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him anything to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My food is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Alright, so what I say to you, what is your food? What is your food? You see, right away they were thinking, well, gee, does he have a candy bar hidden? You know, what does he have, a bagel under his robe or something like that? <laughs> okay, why, how come he's not hungry? And he's talking about a different food, you see. Now again, this is showing us here that sustenance or those things that sustain life, Jesus is talking far beyond the physical things that sustain physical life. Food and drink, you see. And again, this is where we need to get to an understanding in our lives that if you really want to thirst after God and to understand God, you have to realize that there is something else to this life beyond the physical things that we rely on for sustenance, you know. There's a lot more out there. There's a lot more out there than the physical things. We all know that you've got to eat and you've got to drink in order to live. Well, Spiritually, there is a, there, there's nourishment that our spirits require in order for us to be successful in God, in order for us to be able to reap the benefits that the Lord has for us, all right? So he's saying there that, there that our, our, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work, all right? So is your food to do the will of God and to finish the work? You say, well, gee, was, I wasn't sent to die at the cross. No, but you were sent with the work. Every single person sitting in this room and every single person on this planet, God has a plan for. God has a plan for, you see. But we choose which way we decide to go in life, whether or not we go to the left or to the right or straight ahead in God. Verse 35, Say not ye, um, there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white 
they, they are white already to harvest. And he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal. But both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. And here is that, and here is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that on which reap that on which you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of this woman, who testified, he told, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Now here the Samaritans asking a Jew, don't forget, now he was a Jew, and there was a rift between the Samaritans and the Jews. They were asking him to stay, all right, uh, to abode there. Two, uh, so when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him, he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And he said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Okay, now remember when we first started in chapter 4 here? Verse number 2 said, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee because he needed to go through Samaria. You see? Now, because of him making this side trip into Samaria, look at all the people that were saved. Those people that even weren't even Jewish, the Samaritans, okay? Because of his encounter with this woman telling about the everlasting life and, and the waters uh, coming up and so on like that to, to quench her thirst. Uh, 43 here in closing says, Now after two days he departed from there and went into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem um, at the feast, for they also went into the feast okay and we'll, we'll stop there so this is showing here now that in the psalm David the psalmist said that I will thirst after God I will thirst after him you know because I want to see God the same way I do in the sanctuary we have to get to the point that we want God in our lives so much that we want to see him and experience him uh, in, and on a daily basis I know when I was first um you know, coming to the Lord and everything, and I, I think, I think a big part of that, uh, looking back and retro, retro, retrospectively, is that my my, my, my interest in, in in science, my interest in, in the heavens, my interest in, in astronomy, not astrology, but astronomy. And to this day, man, you heard me say before, I subscribe to the NASA websites and I get emails about different things happening. Even when there's aurora borealis, I get a notice that there's activity and so on like that. I've always had a had a, had, had an interest in that. And early on, I realized just peering into the heavens and looking at photographs and videos of the heavens and, and the things that the Hubble te telescope has um, sent back over the many years, that the vastness of space and the beauty of it, and knowing that God is the creator of this. And because of my love for science in that nature, it always had me wanting to know more, wanting to know more, wanting to more, know more, where I'm always still asking God about questions, asking him about why does this happen, why is this so, you know. And God has so honor that over the years and has blessed me, thank God, and I give the honor and glory to him. Nothing that I've done, but because of my thirst for knowledge and my thirst for wanting to understand more about him, now I'm not saying that he revealed to me some deep secrets that the physicists haven't yet discovered. He hasn't done that to me or anything like that. It's great if he would, you know, but, 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 but um, God has revealed so much simply because I wanted to know. All right. So if you get to the point that you simply want to know, 
you know. And I'm saying that we're not taking God for granted, but you want to know. You know, some people, I've heard some Christians say, oh, Jesus, I hate to ask God that. Don't be afraid to ask God anything. You, you know, you're not, you're not being blasphemous because you're, you're asking God about a secret of the universe. You know, if he chooses to tell you, he may tell you something that no one else on this planet knows. Oh, praise God. Amen. But you've got to thirst that. Thirst for him, you know. Don't take this existence that we have as, as for granted, you know. And don't get to the point that you think that you know it all because we don't know it all. You know, there's so much yet to be revealed to all of us, you know. So when you're reading the scriptures and when you're praying and things are going challenging in your life, you know, thirst after God. God, I need you. The same way you want that glass of water. Thirst after God, you know. You know, call on Jesus Christ because he's the one that has given us Holy Spirit. And with Holy Spirit in you, you've got this potential in you, these living waters that, that are in you that can bubble up, that can bubble up. But you've got to learn how to access them. Many times we Christians go through life and we don't have the foggiest idea of the power that is almost lying dormant in your body. You know, it's almost like a, something that's just lying there and we, don't, we forget that we even have it. You've got the power of God that is residing with you in your spirit. And there's no reason for us to be wanting and desiring and paining and worried the way we do. There's no reason for depression. You know, we Christians should not be depressed. You know, and I'm, not saying you may not, I'm not saying you'll never have a sad moment in your life, but I'm talking about protracted, long, drawn-out depression or sadness. Shouldn't be in a Christian. Shouldn't be. You've got Holy Spirit in you. You've got the joy of the Lord who is your strength. You see? So thirsting after God is, even if you don't understand that, thirsting after God is, okay, God, I heard Pastor say today that that Holy Spirit is in me, and I heard these things. Lord, I want to know. Explain more to that to me. Explain it. Explain it. And when you're in your prayer time with God, and you're really thirsting after Him like that, if you really, 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 really mean it, you'd be surprised the answers that God will give you. You know, you know, physicists have been searching for the grand unified theory for God knows how long, you know. Personally, from what I believe and what scripture says, the grand unified theory is Holy Spirit. That's what holds everything together. Everything together in the heavens. I mean, they're looking for, for, for electromagnetic forces and all of this and dark matter and all that sort of thing. And yeah, those things are out there. I think, they're, they're, I think there are things out there. I know there are things out there far beyond a man's ability to understand and comprehend, you know. But a lot of it is very, very basic, and that is it's God. It's God. This whole universe functions because of God. There's nothing mystical or science. Oh, God is science. But, I mean, there's nothing mystical about it. This universe is contained and maintained, and they call it chaos. But it's not really chaos at all. God is very much in control, you see? You see? And you have many, many, many more physicists, Christian physicists, who are coming out of the closet these days, whereas many decades ago they were afraid to talk of the things they, they did or knew because they were afraid of being ostracized. They were afraid of being pushed out of the science community. But more and more doctors, more and more technical, and more and more scientists are coming out of the closet saying there has to be a God because of what we see happening, you see. So even wanting to understand that, that's thirsting after the things of God, all right? So don't go through life thinking that where I am is all I need to be. Where I am is, is where God wants me to be, okay? You should never settle for where you are in the Lord. Always strive to want more. Thirst after God. Thirst after God. Thirst after God. Don't just lay back and say, well, it's okay that I go to church, church once a month. It's okay that I pray once a week. It's okay that I pray when I'm in trouble. No, no, no. You've got to thirst after God. If, if you're not sure what that is, think about anything else in your life that you really enjoy doing and how you go crazy after that, 
the way some people are 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 are, 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 are maniacal over watching over watching with uh, American Idol. Okay, if you can thirst after some TV show and you're taping it and you're time shifting and everything, well, that same vigor that you show in going after that, think about God in that same manner. All right. Some people will drop what they're doing. Well, I got to get home by six o'clock because so and so is coming on, you know. And then come heck or high water, they make sure that they're home by six o'clock. Well, well, and all I'm just saying is that I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. But what I'm saying is to think to yourself the same way I go after that thing that way. That's how I need to go after God. Okay, okay. Get to the point where where I thirst after God. I want to know all that I want to know. If you can get to that point, I guarantee you that you'll see your life change. You will see your life change because your priorities are being more focused on God. All right. Don't think it's enough that I can quote a scripture here and there that I can say this and say that. No, you got to get deeper than that. You got to get much deeper than that. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. I pray. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.